starting a new series uh, about Christmas. And uh, just in case you didn't, I don't know if you'd seen that particular one before, but it's one of my favorites because uh, I think for a lot of people, that's how they see God. Uh, you come to God and you kind of know what's wrong with you and God's words to you are stop it. Uh, stop acting like that. Stop living with them. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop being, you got an anger problem? Stop it. Even, even some of the scriptures in the Bible seem like that's what God is saying to you. You know, when Jesus says, be anxious for nothing, you know, like, well, but I'm really nervous about like Jonathan was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I shouldn't be nervous, but just stop it. Don't be nervous anymore. And, and the church doesn't help that much because for people who've been involved in the church for a long, long time, sometimes they kind of fall into that. And maybe you've met somebody, maybe you're new to the church, or you're just finally feeling like you could come back. Maybe it's Christmas time and you think to yourself, you know, I better kind of get around God a little bit more, but my way hasn't quite worked out. And so you're a little nervous about stepping back into church because what you found in church is that most of what they say is stop it. About a year ago, uh, I realized I needed to see a counselor. Now, I, I realize in a group our size with uh, one of the things that makes our church awesome is that we have uh, a very diverse group of people from very small to um, like middle-aged. And so, um, and, and so for the generation previous, my generation, the generation my dad's in, the idea of going to a counselor seems uh, either like uh, giving up <laughs> or, or you're just going to go for some like, uh, I think he refers to it as psychobabble. Um, but I was stuck in certain parts of my life. Uh, nothing big. I, I, I told my I have a superintendent that's above me, and I told him, hey, I'm not, I don't like have a pornography problem or hold up liquor stores or anything like that. There's just, the way I'm responding to certain things and the way I see certain things, I just feel like I'm stuck, and I'd like to get someone to help me get unstuck. And so I went to a counselor, a guy who's been a pastor for about 15 years, understands the different unique uh, perspectives of a pastor, the different unique stresses of a pastor, and um, as it turned out, the unique roads to healing that a pastor would take that is just slightly different than anyone else. And this guy was a great counselor. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because what we're going to be talking about this in the next four weeks are some specific names that were given to Jesus 700 years before he showed up. 700 years before Jesus showed up, God inspired this writer, this prophet Isaiah. And as Isaiah is going through all these different things, and he has so many things to say about Israel and all this kind of stuff. And when you read the book of Isaiah, some of it's real clear, and you're going, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And other stuff in the book of Isaiah, you're like, wow, I do not understand what this guy is talking about. Part of that is because we're uh, not who he was specifically writing to at the time. And so uh, as we go basically 2,700 years after Isaiah penned those words, um, we look back and we think some of that is is confusing. But for those who are reading it, it was not confusing at all. As a matter of fact, some church historians believe that Isaiah was essentially sawn in two for um, the indicting words he had to say to Israel. Now, what I wanted to do 
before we move on, is talk a little bit about what is this prophecy that Isaiah uh, gave. And, and when we read it, there's, um, I think, seven verses to this prophecy. Some of the stuff will be I, like their lands and things that we just aren't familiar with. Matter of fact, it starts out like this. It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun. Now, again, we, we, we look at, like, the land of Zebulun, what's that? And the land of Nephthali, again, d- different lands. Now, but watch, because you'll begin to see some words that you probably do know if you've been around church for a little bit or if you only come at Christmas time. Uh, he says, but in the future, he will honor Galilee. There's, there's an area we, we kind of, that sounds familiar to us. It's where Jesus would minister. Of the nations, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. There's another word we understand. That's where Jesus was baptized. That's where a lot of uh, John the Baptist's work was done. It was in the Jordan. As a matter of fact, you'll see many times in the New Testament where Jesus was crossing back and forth over the Jordan. But I want you to see kind of what, what, where we're going with all of this. It starts out with gloom and distress and turns into honor. As a matter of fact, if you look at this next verse, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. When I went to that counselor, really all I was looking for was a light. To guide me out of where I am. We have a counselor here, Dr. Uh, Brown, um, who has an office on our, our campus. And that's part of her, I think your is it called, what's light? Do you have light in the name of your practice? Oh, healing heart. Okay, well, yeah, the healing heart of light. She just doesn't know that yet, but she's going to use that. Um, of those living in darkness, a light has dawned. He goes on, he says, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. And then again, we don't have time to go into the history of all this, but for as in the day of Midian's defeat and... and, and um, For them, this was a big deal. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. One of the things we learn about in counseling, and when I counsel other people, is to find out what are those things holding them back? What are those things oppressing? Is it something from their childhood? Is it some sin that they're entangled with? Is it something in their mind of how they see themselves? What, 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 what's going on? And then he goes on and he says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning that will be fuel for the fire. Meaning, we won't need those things anymore. And then Isaiah goes into one of the most famous sections of scripture you'll find at Christmas time. That speaks specifically of Jesus. He says this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be going over every single one of those four titles for Jesus. Every single uh, thing that, that he is called by Isaiah prepares us to see in Christ. And all of these things are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. 700 years before he came in a manger. 700 years before we started celebrating Black Friday. 
700 years ago, before Jesus was born, 2,700 years ago, I'm sorry, 700 years before Jesus was born, this prophecy was given, and it goes on. And as we've been talking about the kingdom of God over the last 12 weeks is what our, that last sermon was about, was about understanding how the kingdom of God can, can impact our lives even here and now. That, that it's not just for death, although there is that part, the promise of heaven, and the promise of eternity with, with our heavenly father. There is that. There's something else for here and now. He says this, the government, the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Just beautiful words about Jesus. And I hope, and I, 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 to the best of my ability, I will try to do justice to these four titles that are given Jesus. The first one I wanted to look at, of course, this week is this wonderful counselor. Now, as I was saying, I, I, was, I, I went to this counselor and um, before, you know, if, if you think, man, I don't know if I should listen to a pastor who's been to counseling. Well, that's okay. I, I've learned how to deal with that. So, you, no, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but this idea of wonderful counselor. And so I had never been to a counselor before. So I didn't really know what to expect, and kind of like my dad, because my dad raised me to kind of believe this, I, I came in a little suspect. Like, like, I don't know if you're like me, when I grew, I didn't do that well on tests, because most of the time during the test, I was trying to figure out how they were trying to trick me. Like, I wasn't even looking for the right answer, it was like, I... I know that I know this is the right answer, but I'll bet it's a trap. <laughs> like that's how I'd look at it. And that's how I wanted to go into counseling. Was like, I don't know. You're gonna tell me about, you know, look deep within your blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't want to go through all that. I didn't, I didn't, it, I was a little bit suspect. Until I talked to a friend of mine, another pastor, who 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 went to counseling and uh, still does, and is a wonderful counselor. <laughs> Not as wonderful counselor as wonderful counselor, but he's a wonderful counselor. He's a great counselor. And so he gave me some things that kind of helped me go into this. Um, and, and these are the things, as I looked at the wonderful counselor, Jesus, it's the same thing. And so, so the first thing I just wanted us to see, I'm going to give you um, five different things that you could write down on that sh blank sheet of paper you have. And uh, we very rarely go through five points, but I wanted to this morning, five different things to keep in mind as you approach Jesus. Because again, for some of you, this might be, this Christmas season might be the first time that you've approached Jesus. It might be the first time where you, where you give the, the idea of journeying with Christ a shot. That maybe for a long time you felt this tug by the Holy Spirit or by God and saying, hey, this might be something for you. What you're doing right now isn't working. And here's the thing I just want to you and to others, I just want us to understand. We all need counsel. Now, I'm not saying we all need to go to a counselor, but we all need counsel. Every single one of us need counsel. We can't, we were not designed, ever designed, and will never be designed to handle life on our own. We'll need accountability partners. We'll need, as, as, as uh, Jonathan was talking about, the greatest thing we can do for our young kids is to realize they need a small group at a very young age and to get them 
comfortable in small groups. One of the things that helped my journey with Christ so much was I was in a small group at a very young age in high school and, and, and then was leading small groups and doing all that. And it kind of pushed me into ministry. But we all need counsel. Jesus said this. Jesus was out with um, a bunch of sinners. Now, again, you have to understand the context here. Uh, for you and I, if we were to have a meal, it would be no big deal. But in, in Jesus' day, to have a meal with somebody is to invite them into your community, to be identified with somebody. So if I were to have you over and our families were to have dinner together, we would be inviting each other into each other's lives and into community. And Jesus invited sinners to have dinner with him. Jesus invited sinners to come and be a part of his community. Listen to this. And this is what I, one of the things I love about our church because we have the same philosophy here. Jesus allowed them to belong before they even believed. It's one of the things we say in our leadership team all the time in our staff meetings. Living Spring is a church where you can belong before you believe. You can join us on this journey before you've gotten to your spot yet. Here's what Jesus says as they're talking to Jesus and going, man, I can't believe you're doing this. He says this. He says, it's not the the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come for the righteous, but for sinners. We all, all of us, the Bible says that all of us have fallen short. We all need counsel. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing, we'll spend the most time on this, and then the last three go pretty fast. Uh, The second thing is to be honest. When my, my, my friend Kevin told me, he said, when you find a, don't just stick with the first counselor you find. Find one that you identify with and that you like, and then be honest. Now, I'm an honest person, and so for me, that sounded weird until I went to counseling. <laughs> and he started asking me a lot of questions, a lot of questions that I didn't really want to answer. And just in the refrain in the back of my mind, I had this thing of my friend telling me, just be honest, just tell him everything. And as I began to just kind of pour out my heart to this guy, I, I was a little embarrassed. And this is what stops us from being honest. I want to look at a, um, a place where Jesus talked to somebody, and they, they, they struggled with this a little bit. Jesus was on his way, and he, he went through Samaria, which is a town. Um, it, it would be like this. If you're a Republican, it would be like going to the Democratic National Convention, okay, or, or, or vice versa. It's like they, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Jews didn't think Samaritans were good for anything. Samaritans thought Jews were smug and pompous. And, and so there, there was just this dramatic tension. And Jesus decides to go through Samaria. And not only that, he stops and he talks to this woman. Again, we, we don't have the capacity to understand just how bizarre this is. But Jesus was talking to a woman, which, which men, just men were superior uh, they, they felt that they were superior at that, at that point. And so Jesus says to her, hey, can I, she comes out to this well in the middle of the day. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And she, he says, can I have a drink? And he, she even says to him, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan and a woman nonetheless? And Jesus says this. He answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to stop right there and just get this idea to see Jesus's vision 
for you. Jesus' vision for you and for me is wholeness. It's restoration. It's completeness. It's a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's where we get our church name, Living Spring, from this verse. That Christ would be so real, that, that, that we would be so complete, so whole, so healed, that there would be this wellspring of life that would come in, that would bring us to wholeness. Anyone who's been in Celebrate Recovery uh, or uh, different 12-step programs understands what that feeling is like to, to, to have identified your issue and to be handling it through the power of Jesus. And so that's what he says. And so she says, of course, like we all would, like, hey, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, what a good counselor will do is identify your problem. And that's what a good counselor does. What a wonderful counselor does, what the wonderful counselor does, he doesn't have to sit around and wait to try to figure out what it is. He already knows. He already knows. Like the song we sang that uh, John sang that was so great from his friend, uh, th- this idea that um, before we make a sound, he knows. What Jesus is trying to do with us is to get us to understand what our problem is. And so what happens is she says, look, I, I don't want, if, I, if there's some water I can drink where I never have to come out here again, and we'll talk about why, why she was out there um, by herself in the middle of the day in a bit. But, but, but she says, if I don't have to do this anymore, t- I'd like that, okay? I'd like that. But again, what ha- is happening here is that Jesus is talking about the spiritual, and she's talking about the physical, which is one of the traps we, we get into when we talk, we talk to Jesus. So Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter, and he says this, go call your husband and come back. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, you'd think, well, okay, right. He wants to talk to both of them, you know. It's like a financial planner. I, I, go, go get the decision maker. If you get, want some of this, uh, this living water, go get the decision maker. And then when, when I'm ready to, we're ready to do our transaction, everybody's here. That's not what he's talking about. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Now, what I have had up here the whole time is be honest. Now, she is being honest. She didn't have a husband, but I, I added this little thing completely honest (laughs) like kids like who have parents you know what I'm talking about where you're honest but you're not completely honest husband sometimes you're honest but you're not completely honest wife sometimes you're honest but you're not completely honest sometimes you know how much did that cost will I save 20 percent okay good that's that's great that is honest but it's not completely honest. You know what I'm saying? So she says, I have, no, I have no husband. Now watch this. Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. That part's true. But I'm not interested in that. I'm getting, I want, I want you. I want you to be whole. I want what a wonderful counselor, what the wonderful counselor wants out of you is not to nitpick all your little things to go through. And this is your problem. And this is your problem. We've got to work this out. We're gonna... He wants a wellspring of living water flowing up into eternal life. 
He wants you to be complete. This is why in our, in our vision, our mission statement that we have for here, the, second, the first part is to reach. We want to reach people with the love of the Father. But the second thing is, is to restore lives to a healthy relationship in the Son. So he goes on. He says, you're right. You have no husband. The fact is, though, you've had five husbands, and the one you're not, that uh, you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. <laughs> What's Jesus doing here? Well, let, let me just give you a little, unless you think she's just kind of a, a promiscuous or she's like the black widow, she mates and then she kills or whatever. Uh, uh, however you want to look at this woman. Back then, you, you could just, if you were a woman, you had no value. And so a man could just issue you a certificate of divorce. He could just go, oh, you know, hey, thanks for bringing in the water. Oh, by the way, this is your last day here. Pack up your stuff and go. And so for her, this is quite possible, very possible, that this has happened to her five times, that she has been looking for intimacy, for relationship, for meaning and purpose, and every single time it fails her. And so this final time, she's like, I ain't doing that again. We can just live together. But I'm not making this commitment for marriage because I don't want to be hurt again. Now, the wonderful counselor is getting somewhere, isn't he? He begins to identify, listen, that water that you're going for, husband after husband after husband, person after person after person, you know, all this, you're trying to find your identity, you're trying to find intimacy, you're trying to find wholeness in these relationships that you're going to keep having to come to the well again over and over and over again. If you would come to me, that would be satisfied. That's what Jesus is saying. So she says, because... She, the cat's been let out of the bag. She says, sir, I, I can see you're a prophet. <laughs> like, good, good call, woman at the well. Yeah, he's, he's much more than that. He's the wonderful counselor. He has your best in mind. He wants to see you restored. He's got the way to do that. The, the water that will bring a wellspring up into eternal life. He's the wonderful counselor. And so she goes on and she says, she, she turns it into the spiritual thing. You know, uh, our people were going to worship on this mountain and you Jews say it's that mountain and all this kind of stuff. And he, he's like, stop, stop, stop. You have to understand the heart of your heavenly father. It doesn't matter about the mountain. It doesn't matter about that. It's spirit and truth. And he wraps it up with these two verses. He says, yet a time is coming. And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Be honest, completely honest. He says, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his, spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. For some of us, it's time to say, you know what? I have an anger problem. You know what? I think I'm the common denominator in all my failed relationships. You know what? I have an addiction, I think. You know what? I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking that making more and more money, uh, that there'll be a time when I'll have enough money and then I'll be satisfied. These are all signs of brokenness that the wonderful counselor wants to address. 
in your life. If we're honest with him. If we would spend time and we go to him and say, you know what, Lord? And this was, this was, this was the, the you know, again, you know, take this how you want. But the ultimate thing that was my problem, why I went to a counselor, I wasn't trusting God. I wasn't trusting him. And I had to go before him and be completely honest and say, you know what, Lord? I trust in me more than I trust in you. Now, what do you think God did after I told him that? Do you think he went, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, do you think he was like, well, I got to rethink this whole pastor thing then, shouldn't I? You know, you, you know, or did he go, well, it's about time. <laughs> See, watch the transformation in this woman. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town. Now, you have to understand why she was there in the middle of the day alone. What would typically happen in that culture is in the morning, all the women would come together to fill the water pots and they'd take them back home. And that was when they kind of got everything together. You know, oh, you know, my son Ishmael's made the captain of the whatever team that they did back then. You know, it's, it's like they talk about that. And, oh, my husband, you know, he's not worth a shekel. You know, whatever. I, it's like kind of like all this, all this kind of stuff. They got caught up on everything in the, in the day right? Unless you weren't in. Unless, unless you weren't on the inside. Unless there was some part of you that was disdainable, like you've had five husbands. You came later because of the shame, because of the stigma. And Jesus meets her right in the middle of that shame. And he sets her free. Watch what she says. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, did he tell her everything she ever did? No, but that's what it felt like. That's what it feels like to be free when the wonderful counselor comes and identifies your problem. The root of your problem doesn't just say, stop it, stop it, stop it, but goes, do you know why you're doing that? Because of this issue right here. You're trying to find, for this woman, you're trying to find meaning and purpose in these relationships. It's not going to work. And now she has the freedom to not only go back, but basically say, hey, the cat's out of the bag. I have no more shame anymore. I met the Messiah. And this is the first time Jesus identifies himself as the Messiah to a Samaritan woman. Meaning you're all in. There is no out. You're all, you all can come and receive from the wonderful counselor. Number three, and we'll go through these pretty quick. Listen, listen. Uh, the first part of uh, a wonderful counselor, they listen to your story. That was the first thing that my counselor said was, tell me your story. And I, again, I thought it was a trap, so it took me a while to get to my story. But, uh, but, but, but then, then as I began to talk about my story and talk about some of the things I, I was dealing with, with a lack of trust and all these different things, he began to speak. And he began to point out some things that were kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. But it's interesting. Now, I had that counselor, and he'd been a pastor for 15 years, and he understood our struggles and all that kind of stuff, and so it made me feel, feel comfortable. But I have access to the wonderful counselor, the, the one whose words are the very words of life. As a matter of fact, there's this funny story. Jesus takes the, uh, Peter, James, and John. He brings them up onto this mountain. 
And, uh, and his body literally transfigures. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen those paintings from like whatever area. I'm not an art person, so whatever area, era that they came from, but like a lot of spiritual stuff. Uh, and then like you have Jesus all glowing. Well, that actually happened. Okay, and Peter, James, and John saw it happen, and they were so freaked out that Peter, Peter just starts running around trying to make like a tabernacle because he's like, let's just make this a spiritual experience, and let's camp up here for a while. Tabernacle just means tent. You know, we're just going to like hang out. And God Almighty comes in a cloud and says something to Peter, at James, and John. And, it, and, and you'd think, like, what, what do you think God would say? Like, now do you see what I'm talking about? You know, or fear, you know, the, or, or maybe going back to like Moses, like, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, right? I mean, God could have said anything at that, at that point. God could have started telling Peter, you know, all his sins. And God could have told Peter, stop it, you know, like, like the video. Like, stop sinning. You're right, you're right by Jesus. Don't you realize? Here's what God says about Jesus. And a cloud appeared and covered, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Isn't that incredible? That the very words Jesus is speaking, the very words your wonderful counselor speaks, your heavenly father is saying, you got to listen to what he's having to say. Now, some of the words that your wonderful counselor is going to speak to you are not comfortable. In my spiritual journey, there's been many times where my wonderful counselor was speaking words to me that were pretty rough telling me to address certain areas in my life, telling me to do certain things, telling me to look at things a different way, telling me to be quiet, right? One of these times, Jesus was, he's talking to all his disciples. Like, let's just say it's me. Like, I, I, like, like you're all my followers. This is just so fun to think about. Um, no, you're, you're all my followers. You think I'm awesome and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going on and on about here. Blessed be are the poor in spirit and all this. Oh, you're you know, all this kind of stuff, and, and you, know, uh, you know, I'm talking, you know, everyone needs counsel. Oh, everyone needs counsel. You're writing it all down, you know. Be honest, oh, be honest, you know, listen, listen, right? And all of a sudden, I go, hey, I, my body is like real food. You should eat it. You should, like, really, you should eat my body. It's like real food. My blood, you should drink it, right? You guys would be like me, like, cuckoo, <laughs> like, okay, I don't need counsel, I shouldn't listen, <laughs> like, I, and you'd leave. This is what was happening to Jesus. Because again, Jesus is trying to break into this spiritual realm with what he understands in the bigger picture. He knew that the talk about his body and his blood later would make sense as we talked about communion. But when he first brought it up, it sounded weird. And so he says to his disciples, as a result, many of his disciples withdrew. And we're not walking with him anymore. So he said to the 12, do you want to go away too? And here's what Peter said. Essentially, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Your wonderful counselor, Jesus, he's got the words of eternal life. We just went through 12 weeks of reading them. They, they're to set you free, to restore you. Number four, real quick, do the work. Do the work. 
after you've told your story and you're completely honest and your wonderful counselor has told you what he thinks the problem is, there's going to be some action items to do. Uh, my counselor had me do a couple action items that I hated. I hated it. But as I began to do it, I realized the wisdom behind the instruction. One time a guy came up to Jesus and basically he was, everything was great. He didn't even need the wonderful counselor. He just knew there was just something eating at him. He had all sorts of money. He had all the attention. Everything was working out. From the few and I, we would think, oh man, the guy's got it made. But there's just something. And so he goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, uh, you know, what should I do? And he's like, oh, you know, you know, obey the Ten Commandments. All that. He's like, yeah, I, I got all that. Look <laughs> what it says in the Bible. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack. Here's your action item. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That itch you have that needs to be scratched, it'll never be scratched until you, ident- until you handle this issue. And until you do, nothing else I have to say is going to help. For him, it was selling all his possessions. He says, at this, the man's face fell and went away sad because he had great wealth. He had put a lot of stock in his money. As uh, John comes back up, we're going to just end with one song. Um, As I, number five is to keep going back. Uh, I'll have an appointment with my counselor. I haven't seen him in a pretty close to a year, but I'll have another appointment with him, tell him how I'm doing, tell him if he sees anything else or whatever. But really what I'm looking for is not, not Steve's opinion or Steve's thing. I'm looking for the wonderful counselor to speak through him. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for the words of Christ to say, hey, I'm using this guy to help identify this part in your life because I want you to be free and I want you to be restored. And I'm telling you this, your heavenly father, 700 years before Jesus was born, inspired the writer Isaiah to say there's a time coming where this is all gonna be fixed. And that time is now. Jesus said of himself, he said the time is coming and is now and now is where the heavenly father is looking for true worshipers. Amen.